Hello, hello, hello. Am I on? Oh, good. Well, welcome. Thanks for coming. Um, before I start, uh, I just want to um, kind of give you an update on a couple things. First of all, I talked to Eric this morning, and he's doing great. And they're actually, um, I don't even know where they are right now, but they're, they're, they're driving out on Friday um, to get home and arrive on Saturday. So really focus on it at that time and really pray for their safe trip home and, and everything. And I know they're both just, as much as Lisa hated to, say goodbye to her mom. She is really looking forward to being back and with everybody, with family and all that. The other thing I wanted to update people on was uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Ray. You guys know Lauren had this episode um, of what, what appeared to be an aneurysm. Um, and uh, just to let you know that he's back at home. He, he came back home on Friday and doing a lot better. And I just wanted to I had to write this down so I could, the, the thing on the whiteboard, so I could describe to you what happened. They, they called it a, don't be scared because it sounds like a fear of spiders, a subacronoid hemorrhage. Hemorrhaging of spiders. I don't know. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Uh, but um, they said it's kind of a, 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 kind of like a stroke kind of like an aneurysm. It sounds like an aneurysm, but um, it's basically a bleeding of a, a, a bursting of a blood vessel in the brain, and so he had bleeding on the brain. Um, but the underneath, the funny thing is underneath, it also called it idiosyncratic, which the, the uh, root word is... <laughs> basically, idiot is a good way of saying it because basically it means it's an unusual happening or unique condition. So all that to say is he was in the hospital that many times just to uh, make sure things were okay, and then they did a test to see if there's more stuff going on. Because if it was an actual aneurysm, there would have been more, you know, things firing off. And and because it was this idiot thing, idiosyncratic thing, thanks, Mary. Because it was that, it was kind of like so bizarre and so unusual. That's a unique condition that should not 99 point whatever percent, you know, he, it shouldn't happen again. So that's a praise God. But but at the same time, he's not out of the woods as far as he needs to rest and all that. So keep praying for him um, and Trish and and thank you for those prayers. So um, I just wanted to give a couple of shout outs. Thank you for those, those that are guests and visitors. I don't know everybody, but I wanted to say hi to Michelle and Doug Chisholm right here. Yeah. And then my nephew, Sean, Sean Wiederholt, he's uh, transported, trans, he's transported, transitioning from Alaska to Seattle and, and getting work and all that. And he's, he's living down here. And something I want to tell you about Sean that he doesn't even probably know. So this is a mystery to him, is he almost single-handedly kept me and Linda from marrying. No. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of like back to the future, because what if, you know, and all of a sudden these guys disappear, all my kids disappear, and all that kind of stuff. But when, when I first met Linda, she came into the, the office, and at my desk, guess who I have a picture of? I have a picture of Sean, and he's just a little wee one, probably a few months old. What, what year were you born? 83. So it was about 84, I think, when you came in. So 84. So this, this picture of Sean is there. And, of course, Linda meets me for the first time. And what does she think that is? She thinks it's my kid. So anyway, 
Thank you for not doing that, Sean. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. You guys can thank him. Either that or you can... Never mind. After I'm done, maybe you'll go, gosh. Uh, let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear your word this morning. We do pray a hedge of protection over Eric and Lisa as they travel this this upcoming week weekend, Father. And we just look so forward to... Uh, to seeing them again and especially loving on Lisa because she hasn't been here for so long and and we so love our our dear pastor and wife and family Lord we just pray that it'd be an easy uh, get back to for them for them in this in this situation Father we pray for Lauren and Trish specifically Lauren we just pray that you would just um, dissipate that blood that's still there Father that that his headaches would go from three to two to one to zero. And we just declare that this would be a week of uh, complete healing, that when he goes in for tests at the end of August, everything would be clear, Father. And we're so grateful. And we're grateful for this morning, Father. Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come and, and speak to us the way that only you know how, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I just counted a privilege to be back and, and getting a chance when Eric... Uh, asked me to do this again. It was like, whoa! I mean, it's it's such an awesome privilege. Before I get there, thank you to Dave and and the worship team. Thank you so much for doing that. That was awesome. And and Courtney and Damien can't do it without you, you know. Especially this because this wasn't working. I almost had to do the handheld. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, and also the setup team. You guys are amazing. We don't ever want to be familiar with the things that just happen behind the scenes. It's not just, you just show up on Sunday. It would be nice, wouldn't it, Glenn? Just show up on Sunday and everything's out and everything's done. So I just want to be uh, grateful and show my gratefulness and appreciate that. Uh, I There's something about being able to share and share out of your life. It's a lot easier, of course. Um, but the stuff that I shared last time, and, and if you weren't here last time, that's all right. You'll, you'll be okay because this is part two. Um, but uh, I'm speaking out of stuff that the Lord's messing with me and Linda. And when I say messing, I don't mean in a bad way. And, and hopefully it, it was kind of heavy through worship and stuff. And it was, it was good and, and the word and all that. But I, I hope this is... Uh, challenging, but at the same time enlightening and directional. Uh, I always, I said last time that I hoped that it was practical, and then I looked up what practical was, and it's like, well, every Sunday ought to be practical, ready to use. That's that's uh, Eric's heart is that whatever he speaks, it's something that we take whatever the peace that God has for us and be able to walk it out. I mean, if not, it's just words that go in one ear and out the other, and it's, 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 it's not good. So I'm praying again that it's practical, and God would kind of show up individually in your hearts to just go, okay, how can, what is it that God's saying to me that, that what, how can I be different or change or give me that sharper perspective, that sharper um, view of, not a different perspective, but a sharper perspective. This is uh, Attractive Christianity Part 2. Last time I talked about the fact that 98% or more of our lives is outside this building. You know, we're in here for 2% of our lives or less. 
So really God cares. He cares about both. And the 2% that we're in here really sets the stage for how we're to be out there. And he, he gave me the, the scripture was Romans 12.2 that I'm kind of using as my base scripture again. That uh, Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know, prove, sorry, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I said that something about the fact that in the Word, there's a lot of common people that do uncommon things, which become, they become uncommon. And and that's, that's what he's looking for is an uncommon people to walk among the common so that people will notice. And the, the attributes, the attributes or characteristics I kind of focused on were three was joyfulness, um, selflessness, you know, thinking of others, and, and, and gratitude, gratefulness. Those three things, those stand out so much in this world. It's amazing. It's amazing when you go to Starbucks or go to the grocery store and you're in line and you're, you, you don't just say thanks, or, but, but you kind of engage with people out of a heart of real, real interest in other people. It's like, whoa. You know, we, I can't remember what it was the other day that we were talking about this person. I don't remember who it was we were talking to, but, but we started engaging with them and we thought, I wonder how many people in their day, out of a hundred people that come in, how many people do what just happened? Do you remember where that was? Oh, at Costco. We love to engage. How many people go to Costco here? Do you ever get to the end and see all this stuff and you have, that, Linda and I always have bets of going, okay, how much is it? 435 or, you know, and, and then Linda always asks them and they, shoot, they know, they're closer every time. But anyway, we just have fun with them. And it's like, how many people really do that? Uh, he also, this is, this is again, review from last time. He talks about us being a light, a light to the world. And I specifically said, light like a fire. A fire is a warm place. It's a gathering place. It's where people want to come and, and just fellowship and uh, um, become vulnerable. It's a secure place. It's a place of security, a fire is. Uh, warmth again I said that but a safe place and that's the way we should be in uh, I read this last time but I'm reading this from the message Matthew 5 14 through 16 it says you're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world God is not a secret to be kept we're going public with this as public as a city on a hill if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a lamp stand, a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. This is really critical here. It says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. This is the key phrase, though. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. It's, it's, 
It's critical. It's crucial. You know, Glenn was talking to me. I mean, he, he always jokes about, you know, I have this. Actually, my kids are embarrassed right now when I do the, you know, beat me up, Scotty. It's totally straight out of Star Trek, which started in what, the 70s, 60s? Anyway, so that's probably what they think this phone is from the 60s. In this day and age, people are so, when they say plugged in, they're so plugged into things. Um, and when, when people plug into things, computers, you know, phones, I'm not, I'll, I'll come back around, Glenn. I'll come back around. And, and <laughs> but when they're so plugged into things and computers, what are they not plugged into? People, relationships. That's become common. It's really become common. I was joking with uh, Sean. We were talking about this the other day. We were talking about how, you know, he'll text is, I mean, really technology is good. I'm not saying technology bad, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It could be used for good things. He talked about how he'll, you know, they'll text, do a mask text to, to people to gather at a restaurant. Get together, you know, get together at a restaurant and he'll get there and every person at the table has their phone out, you know, Facebook or I got a text or whatever. I mean, it's it's I mean it's kind of become the thing, you know. It's all of a sudden just everybody's plugged in that they're unplugged with people. That's uncommon. That plugging in with people, knowing when to put it down. Linda and I once had a I don't I think it was a small party. I don't know if it was really considered a party. We had about ten people over. Courtney and Damien remember this. <laughs> Because they were there. They had a hard time with this. But we put a bowl out. It's a cell phone bowl. Anybody, if you come in, you put your cell phone in there and just, you know, so that's, there's a practical thing you can take from this message. Cell phone bowl. Maybe I should sell it. Wow. Anyway, it's funny though because one of them would buzz and everybody just kind of. <laughs> Whose was it? Now. I, you know, that's a great idea, but I also am in, in this, you know, if somebody has an emergency, something that's coming in, I totally understand them, but, but half the time, it's like nine times out of ten, it's, <laughs> you know, it's just scrolling through, and, um, this, <laughs> yeah, I, I know mine's not buzzing, <laughs> it's like, Glenn again, <laughs> In Romans 12, we, I mean, uh, Romans 12, 2, which I read, do not be conformed to this world. It kind of sets us, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, one other, sorry, I just want to give an example. I just want to, I just want to say something I saw on TV the other day. It was this commercial for, it was an iPad or something. I don't remember who I was with, if it was Sean or, it was an iPad or something like this. And it showed about five different situations or people but what was i thought was really amazing is every single one had to do with relationships with this thing so it really looked intriguing it really looked relational and i think about how often you know like the father playing with the son is probably an educational game or something and another one husband and wife and two friends it always had to do with two people and yet you know where I'm going with that. Most times, technology and stuff isolates people and all that. Once again, I'm not saying technology bad, evil, and all that kind of stuff. Not at all. I'm just saying we have to be able to notice what unplugging, what's what's common and what's uncommon, and what God's calling us to use the technology in order to relate to people.
Anyway, Romans 12, 2. I'll get off that. I'll get off that technology. Amen. My wife's working on me. Linda's working on me to change that, as well as the kids. Yeah, yeah. keep praying. Um, Romans 12, 2, what I, what, the, the scripture really sets the stage for the rest of Romans 12. If you, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But in Romans 12, in the middle of it, it talks about uh, um, the gifts of the Spirit. You know, teaching, prophesying, all those kind of things. Uh, one thing is, when you read through that, I'm not going to do that right now, but when you read through that, don't read through that and go, hmm, teaching's my gift, and really focus on that. But it, it says those gifts are, are according off, or, or to each person according to the grace given to them. Meaning, it doesn't mean, oh, it's teaching. So I'm a teacher, so I don't need to serve. <laughs> Wait a second. Or I serve, so I shouldn't um, uh, prophesy. Or I serve, so I, I don't need. I serve today, so I don't have to exhort anybody today. Don't ever read it that way, but really read the gifts of the Spirit to go. Wow, He He wants us to use those things, not just here. Remember the ninety-eight percent. But I wanted to, to get to the nine Romans twelve nine through eighteen. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. I wanted to rush through that at this part. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. These are practical things, by the way of being engaged with people. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. A, a phrase, a terminology that, that Linda and I have been fussing with is being culturally relevant. Cultur- culturally relevant. And basically that means being able to relate to people. Being able to relate to people. So for me, for us, we need to discuss, and individually we all need to figure out, okay, who's our audience? Where you go to work, you know, the people that you work with, who's your audience? Who are the people, your neighbors, your friends, the, the people um, at, uh, you know, the store, wherever you go, wherever your sphere of influence is, you kind of have to know that audience in order to be culturally relevant. You, you have to know, for me, for me, it's kind of it's not different than everybody, but for me it's different because I have peers that I teach with, but then I have to be culturally relevant, I believe, with 12 to 15-year-olds. <laughs> that's, 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 I'm not saying that's tough, but it's different. It is different. You have to know your audience. Uh, I'm not going to go to the nice strands and say, hey, what did you think of that Lady Gaga concert? <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that awesome? Yeah, they're going, who? <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Or Brooke, or, you know, Brooke and her crowd, I'm going, what did you think of the Gaither trio? Is it trio? Is Gaither a trio? Oh, that would be one plus, trio plus one. You know, you've you, you got to be relevant to the people. You've got to be able to be relatable to different people. Now, here's the issue, though, with that. Because there's a huge pendulum swing. Okay, there's a huge pendulum swing. Because there's the being so culturally relevant that you're conforming to this world. You know what I mean? We, we need to do that. Oh, yeah, we should, yeah. Not only should we have pots sold in Kenmore, but we probably should relate to it. You know, <laughs> we're going to start smoking that so we can relate to people. So there's that so culturally relevant that you become conformed to this world, which we have to watch out for. And then there's the other side of the coin, the, the part that's, I put the religious side. Don't, 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 don't. You listen to what? You watched what? You know, and really be, and that's where, you know, some of us might have been at one time or whatever. But there's that fine pendulum swing that's in the middle that who you, who you know you are in Christ, that you don't conform to this world, but you're not over here because he says to be in the world, but not of it. Over here is not of the world, but you ain't in it either. You know? Over here, you're in the world and of the world. You really aren't making a difference. You're just conforming to this world. So it's right in the middle, you know, where you go, gosh. I mean, and it's such a fine line of really going, okay, I really, I, I can relate to those 12 to 15-year-olds, but it doesn't need to mean I need to listen to that music all the time. But I need to know the hot topics that the kids, you know, I might not go to the movies or different things. I may go to some of the movies. You know, it's, it's funny when I do see a movie that they relate to because then, you know, I can really share with them. But even then, I can talk about some of the people that they were the you know, the different music or whatever, instead of being this old fuddy-duddy that, Mr. Walker, he's out of it, you know? Which they probably say that too anyway, but, you know? But it's, it's, it's that being relatable in such a way that I can engage. And, and within that, it's being interested with what they're interested in. Because that's that way in. That's that thing that said, where did I read that? In... Um, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, talking about the light. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. That's the way in. You're finding that way in. All right, how do we set the stage for these things to happen? Could I have a chair? I want another chair, too. Is there another chair? Here's one. Um, I got it. I'm just moving around. Have you ever, those of you, some of you, still do drive, but how many people drive or have driven something so frequently, maybe to the store or to church or to work, and you're so familiar with that drive, you probably could do it with your eyes closed. Anybody? Have you ever done, and even though some of you that aren't driving now, you can kind of picture back when you, when you did a drive. Or, or even if you don't drive yet, you can picture a driver. It's like, oh gosh, going through that again. Have you ever done that drive from the passenger seat? It's amazing the things that you see. 
You know, even I think about going to the store or the gas station. I'm the one that's always doing it. And it's, you know, through the neighborhoods and stuff like that. But sometimes if I'm in the passenger seat, I'm in the passenger seat, and it's all of a sudden, I don't have to keep my eyes on the road. And all of a sudden, you notice different things. The houses, the, oh, wow, there's a barn over there. There's horses over there. Those horses belong in that barn. Oh, my gosh. You know? It, but there's, there's stuff that you see that you didn't see before. And I think that's what God's calling us to do. I think we've probably heard that in one way or another. Uh, you hear it in the, um, in the, in the song in uh, Underwood. Carrie? Did I get that right? <laughs> Woo, got that one. Carrie Underwood's song, Jesus Take the Wheel. You know, and, and the situation is, 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 that she's in in the song, if you've heard it before, is kind of a synopsis of her life. I think she hits a patch of ice and she's spinning and she has her baby in the back and it's like throwing up her hands and saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. You want me to keep going? (laughs) Kids are going, no. Um, But it's a synopsis of her life. Her life is out of control and it's like, Jesus, take the wheel. And, And we get into those situations. I'm sure Lauren and Trish were in this situation this past week. You know, uh, Lisa and Eric a few weeks back when her, her dad died. It was like really easy to get in that passenger seat and go, I'm sitting on my mic, but and just let, I'm in the right side, right? I don't have any Brits here today, do I? <laughs> I'd have to switch, do I? Um, but it, it's really easy when life is difficult or there's a situation. Uh, Linda and I have had them in our life. Our family's had them in our life at different times where it's really easy to just get in that passenger seat and go, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. How about on a regular day? When everything happens, the same thing happens. Here's what I find myself doing, and and now I'm challenging myself. I find myself, I'll spend time with the Lord. Um, You know, I I, I have a devotional time and all that kind of stuff. I almost did this, but anyway, I have time with the Lord. But I have this devotional time. Then it's time to go to work. And what do I do? I go over here. Passenger seat, right? I open the door and I go, Jesus, come on in. Shut the door. And guess who gets in the driver's seat? And then I go ahead because I know how that day is going to go. This is one of those things that's easier said than done, but at least if we can kind of have a picture of that. And I'll get in this seat and I'm going, oh, yeah, Jesus is there. But I got this. I got this, Jesus. I, I know exactly. I, I know where the office is. I'll get my stuff from my box. Kids, take roll, teach, all that kind of stuff. You know, and then it's like, did I miss the house with the barn and the horse and the different needs? The needs over here or the needs over here? How different would that have been if I thought, gosh, even on a regular day, I need to be sitting in that seat. You know, and, and God's so faithful, Jesus is so faithful, that even if I didn't spend time with him, I'd get in, he'd have to let himself in, he'd still be in the back seat, but it's like, really? You know? But that's, and that, and that, that messes with us, because it's like, it is a regular day, I can do it, I can do it, you know, and, and, and you know what? Chances are, we'll do it, and we'll do the right, you know, we'll do, we'll get through the day, but what did we miss? 
by not getting in the other seat and really looking out and going, God, I'd never noticed that kid over there by himself. You know, why is he over there like that? Or that teacher that's, she doesn't look the same way she normally does, that, that person at work. Is there something going on? No, I'm in the drive. I got to do this. I, I don't have time for that, you know? It's like, anyway. Romans 4, or 10, 4 through 10. I think I'm almost done here. Get out of here I'm t- early. It says Romans. Uh, oh, I switched it up. I'm only going to read eight through ten. I had four through ten, but Romans ten, eight through ten says, "It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us." This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God: Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. Here's the key. That's it. You're not doing, and this one does have, this is from the message, by the way. You're not doing, in quotation marks, anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's the driver's seat. Next sentence says, that's salvation. Wow. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting Him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between Him and me. We need to rewrite that song. It's Jesus, keep the wheel. Instead of just, oh, now I need you. It's, it's Jesus, keep the wheel. I need God at the wheel at all times. Lynn, you want to come up? While she's coming up, I wanted to conclude with this. I think there was a mic. Was that mic working? I think that one's working. I wanted to conclude with this. And my kids, you guys probably know most of them, um, they played sports. A lot of sports. And and they were fairly good. You know, and, and, and that was... That's my way of saying it. I don't want to brag on them too much. But they're, they're fairly good. They still are. They beat me. Um, but the thing that we really look forward to... You can step up here. Do you want the driver's seat? <laughs> nice. Uh, the thing we really looked forward to was the end of the season party. Not the... Well, yeah, we could go there with that. Not the whole party. But, but the thing that we really looked forward to was uh, when the coach got up and talked about our kids. And looking back, I'm so proud of them. You know, I'm missing Rama. By the way, Rama's not here, but she sent me a text today. I could have preached her text. Holy cow. Anyway, that's another point. But I was so proud of them because the coach would talk about each player and all that kind of stuff. Most times it would be, oh, this this Johnny had a great, oh, this one game they scored 15 points and they did this and this and this and this. But with our kids, they would talk about who they were. It was kind of like at the end of the at the end of the day or the end of a game or whatever. It really didn't. I could give a rip about taking home the person that scored 30 points and got 15 rebounds and all that. That's, that's, as soon as the game's over, that's done. 
I, I get to take home the person with the character and who they're going to be and who they're becoming. And it just, it humbled us to go, wow, wow, God, what you did in them. And I think we need to think about, okay, what if we had the end of a year or end of the season party? I'm not talking about a memorial. <laughs> That's a little late to do anything. But what if we had each, you know, each end of the year, each season, what would our coworkers say about us? What would our friends say about us, our family? What would they say about us? Would it be something that we did or who we are? And, and once again, it's not about doing, but it's about being. You know, what we do comes out of who we are. And so that's what God's kind of calling us to do. Who are we and, and who are we becoming? He's so great. Isn't he great? I was, I was thinking as he, he would never say this, but for those of you that live in Bothell and Kenmore area, there's a guy that for the last, I don't know, five years or so, um, he's always, I know, but I, are we 17. ringing? He's lived there for 17 years, and you'll see him. He's always in um, shorts, no matter what time of year. He's always in shorts. And he is constantly walking, and we've seen him forever. And Don was at the grocery store, I don't know, three weeks ago, um, and saw this guy. And he has a backpack, and he's stuffing all of his groceries in a backpack, and he's got his backpack and a couple bags. And so Don stopped and thought, I'm just going to say, hey, do you need a ride? So Don gives this guy he had never met a ride home. Find out his name is Kev. That's what we call him. His name's Kevin. Um, and next thing you know, Don's building a relationship with this guy that we've seen for the last 15 years. He go, Kev invites him over to his house for tea because he's English. Don shows up at the guy's house. They make a date. He shows up at the house. Don knocks, and Kev opens the door and is like, you really came. Like, he was surprised that he was there. Don spent three hours listening to this man, Kev, talk. And Don said, I probably didn't say more than two or three sentences for three hours, but he just listened to Kev. And now Don and Kev have a date at the tea house on Tuesday because I'm working. And that's, you know, that's what we need to do. We're, We're to stop and look. And really what I hear you saying, babe, it's, the bottom line of all this is taking the eyes off of ourselves and looking at other people and looking the Kevins that are in the neighborhood and stopping and saying, you got a bunch of groceries. Hey, can I give you a ride home? And you don't back my mind. I'm like, was he a mass murderer? Was he drunk? Was he, you know, but jump in my car and I'll give you a ride home. And now they have a growing relationship. And this guy can't believe that somebody stopped to after 15 years, build a relationship with him. And that's what you're saying, babe, is taking our eyes off of ourselves and engaging with the guy at Costco who does this for eight hours, you know, swiping, you know, cashews and whatever. But you're amazing. Thank you. So, want me just to pray? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. No, you had so 10 more minutes. really, if we could really pray, we're going to pray this week <laughs> to move the man out of the flip phone. <laughs> and 
This then man, I disengaged from people. We've been married 28 years. He has never sent a text in his life. Not one, not one text. So we are going to fast and pray this week because we want you to be culturally relevant. And in order to do that, you need to be able to text all of us, right? So let's just stretch our hands forth to Don. I'm sorry. I'm going to reel it in. Okay. Lord, thank you. Thank Thank you for once again that you let us just be so practical that we're going to walk out out of Mm. here today and say, okay, we're staying out of the driver's seat and we're looking for the Kevs in our lives and we're looking for the Costco guy that we can engage with and get our eyes off of ourselves and onto others because that's what you did, Father. That's the bottom line. You didn't come to this world um, to serve yourself or to talk about how great you were. You came to love the Kevins and the Costco guys. Father, we just are determined to do that ourselves. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. You guys are released. Have a fantastic day. And Eric will be back with us next Sunday. And MCs are... Thank you. Go to your Mariner game.